0: This week on Grip and Grin, the team discusses their travels out of state to pursue the elusive whitetail. There are many hunters that travel beyond their state lines to chase whitetails, but with that comes many different challenges. Hunters must master and adapt to different environments and conditions on the fly. Listen, along as the Grip and Grin team reviews Andrew's eye-opening New York trip. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Grip and Grin. Here we are, and Andrew is going to uh, be taking the lead on this uh, episode. Yes,
1: sir. So, um, sorry if I'm always short with my stories to everyone. You know, I'm pretty brief. I don't go into as much detail as possible. But on this episode, I'm going to try to do uh, my best to... Not pause as long or stumble over my words and uh, give you a great, great story of what's happened in my uh, neck of the woods for this 2021 whitetail season. But as always, check out the uh, Grip and Grin podcast Instagram. We have a bunch of content up there. I'm going to be posting a shit ton of uh, deer pics from our 2021 success. Yep. and uh we're gonna be rolling through to twenty twenty two here soon, and maybe even I'll have even more uh content for you you know your season is wrapped up in maine, and mm-hmm. I'm still going strong till the new year's so it's gonna be it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun all right all right
0: so this this new state that you have been um alluding to. What, where are we talking here? Where, so uh, the new take state, our listeners on a journey.
1: <laughs> the new state that uh, I was able to hunt was New York. So building this story, you know, I uh, my birthday's in October, and I had family contact me in October that I haven't heard from from a while. So, you know, they lived in Mass. I was trying to get connections and. Yada yada yada. I was able to get right. a connection to a guy in New York. So, some guy. <laughs> some guy. He he isn't family, but he's like he's very extremely extended family, if we put it that way. Where um, right, he's not within my bloodline. He's just outside of it, but. You know, my, my aunt was gracious enough to put me in contact with him where, you know, I had a few phone calls with him. He's a really nice guy, older gentleman where um, he whitetail hunts. He has access to uh, acreage, and I mean thousands of acres in New yeah. York and private land, and he invited me out to hunt. At first, I didn't think I was going to get out this season, but I was lucky enough to uh, clear up my schedule where I could go out during the the whitetail season this year. So, before you even decide to hunt out of state, we always hammer home looking at the laws and regs, and you gotta do your homework, you gotta look at the laws and regs, so...
0: And you said that New York was just as confusing as Maine's, yes,
1: like de- hunting laws. Definitely confusing as Maine's, where they have, you know, they have an early season, they have a bow season, they have a regular season, they have a late bow season, they have a muzzleloader season. So there's a bunch of different dates you have to take into account when looking at when you're hunting out of state. And another big, big point you have to look at is the tags associated with those seasons, where, you know, you have. You know, your buck tag for the regular season, you have like a doe tag for this season, you have a doe tag for that season. And I'm not going to get into the weeds about that, but, yeah. you know, you really got to do your homework, understand like the different things that are, you know, I'm not used to having a back tag, which is something you have to do in New York, where it's a little tag you put on the back of your camo where it has a little serial number on it, where If someone used binoculars, they look at your back, they can see that you're tagged on your back, and um, they can find your information from there. You have physical wax paper tags they have to put on the deer, you know, and Maine and Mass, they don't uh, give you these physical tags and licenses that you have to keep on hand. It's a bunch of different nuances you have to understand when you're hunting or fishing out of state. I had to deal with this in Colorado. Oh, yeah. It's definitely important to read up on that, understand all the nuances for that state you're going to go into. And again, I was lucky enough to have this opportunity. I had to take it as soon as I could. And I mean, you'll you'll hear about it. It was great, but one thing you have to <laughs> will note, we <laughs> one thing you have to note is. You know, some states you can, like Maine or Mass, buy your Mm -hmm. license online. You can print out the form, you're good. New York, not the same. They will mail you a physical copy. So, if you're going to hunt out of state, take that into account if you're going on short notice, like I was, where if you order online or over the phone, it takes 14 days for that. Transaction to be sent to you where you get your license and your tags and whatnot. So That's I just I simple. waited to be in person to buy it so I could get it immediately. But you know I was on short notice. I'm I'm very sure other people on short notice that are doing this exact thing, where you got to take into account where time is in the essence.
0: Yeah, I mean I can understand if you're like, you know, you have to. If you're planning this hunt for next year, like you can do the mail in or phone call or whatever, but like, like in your situation, if you're like heading there, yeah, you you gotta do it in person.
1: And luckily enough, like New York has a great uh, database for everything, every license uh, agent within the state where you can go buy the license. And I was able to use that website. Their website has a bunch of information, as they should and I was able to get those tags and licenses as needed and I alluded to this on the previous episode but you shot a doe in the rain right yep and yes, I so was did. driving in the snow in New York <laughs> which was yep. uh it was pretty awesome but you know I I I did my homework got my tags got my licenses and I I met this uh his family friend of mine and showed up and first thing he said was, "All right, change up. We're going hunting." I was like, "All right." So, to set the stage, yeah, I'm I'm staying at this guy's house. He's like a mile away from the property. You drive that mile, you get there, and you know, you you take an ATV and you drive up into the property with the ATV, which is very necessary, which is over a mile. I I didn't map out the exact distance on the ATV, but you need a four-wheeler to get into this spot. So, you know, throw the bow on the bow holder and ride up in. And this is during regular season, so rifle season, but I was using my bow. And we drive up in. He showed me the way. He's like, all right, pulled out on X. And he's like, this is a property line. Just stay on the property, but free range, this is where I see deer. Great. I am so glad. I am so glad he did not say, All right, I have a stand, go sit it. I'm using my yep. saddle, I'm using my sticks, I'm using my silent approach steps, I'm using my bow, which I love. And you know He he
0: just gave you like a little hunch to be like, Hey, I normally see deer there. Exactly. And that's pretty much all he said. Which is nothing cool. more like That's just I mean that's respectful. Like dude
1: From a hunter to a hunter, it was that's like so fair.
0: In in my opinion, that's fair chase. Like that's just like you know, you're not. It's not like uh, it's not like a a cheat code where you're like, oh, yep, okay, now it's guaranteed. Like exactly, he
1: he still allowed you to hunt and do your thing, which is great. Where one thing I hate, one thing I hate is. I don't hunt at uh, your spot a lot because I feel like I'm mooching. I hate the fact that I feel like I'm mooching. And I know you roll your eyes and whatever. I I do a lot of work at your property because I enjoy it. But I hate the fact where I'm like, all right, like I'm just hunting this person's deer. You know what I mean? Where you're going on someone else's property, they're pointing you in the direction, and you're hunting their deer. But what was nice is... That he was very open, like, all right, use your skills as a hunter, go find them. And let me talk about this terrain for a little bit. Uh, the terrain is it's mountainous, but there's ag. So we like he had you know food plots in these big acreage fields for deer maybe i i'm assuming they harvested it but i don't know the extent like if they were just for deer or if they were actually just planting them to plant them cuz you didn't hunt over the ag fields ever no so the i'm in the hudson valley of new york so i'm not in the adirondacks but i also have mountains around me valleys with a bunch of corn a bunch of green beans and whatnot which is pretty crazy looking at it from a turkey perspective i'm just thinking like oh my goodness like turkeys (laughs) are everywhere but uh you know i'm hunting in the mountain above this ag and i mean i'm way in there in over a thousand yards in the mountain above the ag so and in the woods, is within the mountain, there's a bunch of ridges. There's a bunch of oak trees. Everywhere you look is a perfect tree to climb, where mm. it's perfectly straight. You have a bunch of shooting lanes. You don't need to trim anything. And uh, that's setting the stage for the next few hunts. So I made two trips out to this property. So the first trip, you know, like I said I showed up he took me right out there showed me how this works and found a spot was great you look for buck sign rubs everywhere excellent hunt see deer you know there's an increased population of deer and nothing in range I have a I have a doe tag I have a buck tag but you know nothing Nothing was nearly close enough for me to even consider, like, pulling my bow out. I mean, you can see, multi, like, 150 yards easily where you're within the timber, but there's no, like, undergrowth, if you know what I mean. You're right. But, you know, snow's coming down. Hunted again the next morning, but didn't see anything that morning. So what I did was use my X use the fresh sign that I could see, and use my hunting skills, which was great, to then f- relocate and find a new spot, which was what made this hunt so fun. <laughs> <laughs> what and, and how high was that new spot? <laughs> oh, wait, wait. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Oh. So I found Jump this new spot. <laughs> I found this new spot in a valley. So we have a ridge a drainage to my left, and I'm hunting on the ridge. I noticed that the deer are betting on the south side of the ridge because with the south side of the ridge faces more sunlight, less snow, more you know heat for them to just bathe in during the daytime. So if you're hunting any scenario where you can hunt south-facing ridges, great, great spots to hunt, look for deer, find deer movement, use the snow to find the most recent movement of those deer. So on my first trip out there, you know, day two, hunting this new spot in the snow, had close, close deer encounters, both morning and evening. Nothing came into range that was, you know, I had a deer at 45 yards, but I wasn't comfortable with it. Yeah, it's a poke. Like, I have two deer in the freezer. I don't really need to, like, take the chance and... You know, risk doing anything stupid. So, you know, uh, what I'm doing is I'm banking knowledge every sit. Every sit, I see where they're coming from. I see where they're moving. I'm using the snow to my to my advantage and, you know, adjusting my setup as needed. So, that was my hunt for that weekend. You can hunt on Sundays there, which is key to remember. Say, that's huge. Huge, you can hunt on Sundays, and I can work remotely, which is another uh, <laughs> big, big key. But uh, that uh, that Sunday, I did not have any success. Um, went home, came back the next weekend. It's only two
0: hours away, right?
1: Two hours. It's a little under two hours from where I am, but, you know, two hours roughly, and... yeah. You know, he invited me out the next weekend. I have my buck tag. I have a doe tag. I have the late season tags to burn. So this is still in the regular season in New York. Go back, hunt the same spot, and see deer. But I knew exactly where they were moving. So if I'm to paint the picture, I'm sitting in a drainage. There is a ridge to my right where I know they bed. But the mountain continues to my left, which is more uphill. But I knew there was a saddle. It was the peak of the mountain, and there was a saddle to my left. And every deer I saw came through that saddle. Hmm. So for the afternoon hunt, I moved my set maybe 80 yards to my left. And granted, you know, I didn't move that far, but I knew I was going to see way, way more deer to my left in that spot where right. a bunch of deer were funneling through this area. I saw a bunch of rubs, and I mean a ton of rubs. They had multiple, like, what uh, family my family friend would say, world-class bucks on property. And he showed me a picture of one of them. I mean, they're, like, ace caliber, like, big, big, big bucks. and Yep. You know I'm on this fresh sign in the saddle, but what's weird about this saddle is you have, if you're looking at the saddle, you have a ridge on the right that's very steep. Ledge. Straight up ledge. And then on the left, you have a much more meandering hill up. So I set up on the right ridge, but trees were going out of the right ridge where I did not have I didn't have to climb up 12 15 16 feet in the tree. I was only up 6 feet in the tree, but I had the ledge at eye level. But I was up 20 feet compared to where I wanted to shoot, if that makes sense. Right. Right. So, I'm shooting downhill, but just over that ledge I can see, which is key. 6 feet. I had one stick and my little platform. That's all I had. but Dude. It was wow. pretty wild. It was definitely the most great. I could have sat on the ground, and it would have been just as effective.
0: I was going to say the lowest I've sat and sh- actually shot a deer was 10 feet. And, yeah, the same situation. Like, I was on top of a ridge, but when I was up in the tree, it looked like I was much, much higher than. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: So but yes, six feet. <laughs> I'll post a picture of my setup. It won't really display my height in the tree, but of the area I was hunting where you have plenty of shooting lanes. You know, I have a shot up to 40, uh, 40 yards, but my money spot was 20 yards, and I didn't really want to shoot beyond 30. So, yeah, knowing how the deer moved, I used the snow on my last visit to understand how they move. So... I hunted there Saturday night, no luck. Sunday morning, I hunt there, and 8.30, 9 o'clock, family group of does come through, and seven, eight does come in. And I'm like, so holy they So they're, they're all yarded up. They're yarded up. You know, it's definitely second rut, post-rut action, but... I had so many eyes on me, but they did not see me. So that that ledge was a good back cover with all that moss on it where they Mm -hmm. did not, like, spook looking directly at me. They did not see me. So I knew that my cover was good enough because, like I said earlier, every tree you could climb. But you didn't really have the cover like you have in Maine. Even in Mass where you have some sort of hemlock pine, there was no hemlock to be seen in this particular area.
0: Maples and oaks.
1: All for this, it was this oak grove, like white oaks, huh. just everywhere you can see. I had one hemlock in front of me where, if I'm sitting in a tree, the trees in front of me in my saddle, the next tree over is a hemlock, which is also key. Ridges to my right, shooting lanes to my left. So on Sunday afternoon, so you can hunt on Sundays there again, but I was sitting there. It was 55 degrees, 50 degrees. It was really warm, crazy warm. But when I walk into this area, I have a, a dough estrus drag I did, and then I sprayed dough estrus down. And I had a dough, a single dough, filtered to my right. Again, eye level with the ridge. And I am eye level with this dough. So... <laughs> You know, you're like you're. It's DEFCON five. Like, oh yeah, you are not moving. You're not blinking. <laughs> you're not even breathing at this point, and it's at seven yards. Jesus, but Six feet it felt fil- it filters <laughs> strain in front of me a little bit, but then turns and goes up the ridge. I'm like, all right, whatever. Like, I would have shot the doe if it came down to my left. I didn't really have a shot opportunity. It is regular season, but, again, I'm using my bow. So I take uh, I one thing I do nowadays is I get cold really easily. Even though it's 50 degrees, (laughs) even though it's 50 degrees, I have a thermos with me. So I take a swig of coffee. Like I warm up a little bit, put it back, and then I hear like a little ch-ch-ch. All right, like the dough's coming back. Look to my right. And then I just see a little fork. I'm like, all right, like buck, cool. And this buck is eating moss. I'm like, what the hell is Dude, going on? I've
0: never heard of that before until you like
1: so weird. So eating moss, but it also had its its mouth open, you know, when it's trailing a doe. Right. So it was like ate a little moss and I was trailing and trailing the dough that exactly where it walked. And then it smelt where I sprayed and my drag went filtered down the ridge in front of me and the hemlocks in front of me to give me a little cover. So I was able to, uh, adjust my set as I uh, grabbed my bow. It worked its way to my left and, you know, One thing that I'm great about is after missing that buck last year, there's definitely a patience where I want the perfect shot, not just the good shot, but the perfect shot. I want it to be where I want it, exactly how I want it, in the moment I want it, when I'm ready, and as it filtered through shooting lane one, shooting lane lane two, and then it gets to the primo shooting lane. All right, here we go. (laughs) So, draw back on it. Did did not have to bleed at it because I sprayed estrus right where it was sniffing. So, it was looking a little bit away. Draw back. Great shot. Hit it. And you know, you just know as a hunter, like, when a good shot happens, it's like, that was, like, perfect. Like, you couldn't ask for better. The sound of, like,
0: an arrow hitting a deer, like, in the lungs... Some I heard a hunter say this the other day. It sounds like shooting a, an arrow at like a wet drum, like shooting through a wet drum. Yep. So when it hits a drum, it's like it's like a deep. We I don't know. It's just hard to explain. Yep, but you know that sound as a hunter.
1: And when I shot, it felt good. Twenty yards broadside, nailed it. And what's cool about hunting there is you can really see, the like. All the terrain, like, there's no, like, hemlock. Like, oh, I didn't see where I saw it run this way. I saw it run up the other ridge on the saddle and then just, you know, went down. So I was jacked. So tried calling you. Had no service. (laughs) And I I thought you did get through. No, no, no. not Originally, I was calling you from the stand. I had no service because I remember texting you saying I have no service at this stand. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so because I, uh, when you picked up, you
0: were like, yeah, I got it gutted already
1: or something like that. Yep. so what I did was climb down. As I climbed down, climbed down, deer are running everywhere, and I didn't care at this point. Like, I have another tag to burn, but whatever. Like, I got a deer down. It's Sunday. Like, this is can't draw it up any better. Go over to it. It's uh, it's forky, and it later would be a... Uh, uh, weighed at 133 pounds, if I remember right. Nice. So, but I mean, you couldn't. I couldn't be happier with it. I mean, it's not like a shooter buck, but shooting a buck out of state on my fourth hunt, like you couldn't. Sick. You couldn't draw it up any better. You know, I I got it out, called you, um, called everyone, and dragged it back drove it back on the four-wheeler. and, But the big note is if you're hunting out of state, you can't carry a carcass across state lines. So Correct. for a CWD, um, with that, you have to have it butchered in-state. And uh, my family friend butchers, so I had him butcher it for me. Gratefully, I'm super thankful for that. And, and you, you know, still need to go get it. I still need to go get it and... <laughs> You know, Sunday night kill, got it done, fourth hunt. I mean, what's so great about this type of hunting for me is I love being mobile, I love adapting, I love learning, and that's all three wrapped into, run- wrapped into one. So if yep, you're looking for, sure. for the full experience, look into hunting out of state. I mean, it's so fun. This Plus the density of deer up in New York is definitely higher than anything in the deep northeast where, you know, I've seen deer every sit. You know, not in range, but every sit. Again, I'm hunting public or private, I mean, and you're not hunting public, but, you know, if you're hunting private, yeah, I I guarantee you, you'll be able to find the deer. I mean I hunt private every state, so Right. <clears throat> but I mean
0: that yeah, you're saying you're saying that once you had like 11 deer go through.
1: Yep. Yep. That's crazy. So, but yeah, if you're hunting public, I I guarantee if you work hard enough, you'll be able to find them. I was gracious enough to have private and I look forward to going back to fill a late season bow tag and we'll see if that uh that comes around, but you know, less one of the big lessons learned from this hunt was second rut is real. I mean, this was December, mm-hmm. early December, and I had estrus down. He was looking for a doe. He came right into the estrus, and, you know, I, I had a feeling that the estrus would work, and it paid off, and I was just using Tink's uh, aerosol spray yeah. on my boots. And that's what I do for a drag is just on my boots, and sprayed it on the ground where i could and it worked out so another deer in the freezer and got Three. multiple tags left and we yeah. still got a few, uh, couple weeks left so hopefully i can get back there and pick up my deer maybe get another doe and see what happens but that that's new york in a nutshell and for anyone out there that's curious about hunting out of state just message us Uh we're definitely here to give you some information if you're hunting Maine, Mass, New York, or if you're just wondering how the process works, what you should do, what to look for. Right. Everything. We're we're always here for that information. But it it was a grand time, and I hope I hope our next episode is a little bit spoiled with another deer. But no promises, and we'll see.
0: <laughs> so you not not only have you been. Uh hitting the woods, but you've also been hitting the water. Yeah. So, you, so you've been again, doing some winter fly fishing.
1: Yeah, I've been uh dominating this episode, you could say. But uh yeah. <laughs> we uh where I have been uh fly fishing in mass, and one of my little goals, personal goals is to catch a a fish on the fly rod every month of the year. I think that's a like, ooh it, Interesting goal, and I'm not saying continuously just in general, because you know life busyness whatever, but you know I've been fly fishing a lot down here I've been learning more and more and more you know connecting with people, learning more, finding spots, finding fish, finding flies that I should use, and I've been able to catch a a rainbow trout every month that I've been here, which has been. I've been very grateful for.
0: Still waiting for the invite.
1: Yeah, still waiting for the invite. I still need to get one in December. I haven't even tried this December. <laughs> I've been so busy uh, going to New York, hunting mass, whatnot. Daylight's been a another issue you have to take into account when you're trying to go fishing because, you know, if you can't see, you can't fish. But. All right. I uh, I do hope to continue the, the fishing through the winter months. I mean, it's been successful in late November. I was able to bag a few uh, nice rainbows. And one thing you need to keep in mind if you're doing catch and release, if the temperatures are cold, you need to keep the fish in the water as much as possible because, mm. you know, yep. the cold is damaging to them. You know, even if you're ice fishing in Maine or wherever in New England, you need to take into account if you're just releasing the fish that you do not want them out of the water any longer than they need to be because that cold will just freeze them solid and they're not built to be out of water during the winter months. So take that into account, but winter fishing has been great. You know, it's also fly tying season for for most of... Uh, the country, I mean, yep. Time to build up your uh, repertoire for the spring that's coming up. It's gonna be a busy, crazy spring for us. So I'm, I've been planning to tie up uh, a whole smorgasbord of flies for us. And We're gonna need them. Hopefully, uh, we'll t- we'll talk about it on the ne- the next episode for the the big adventures we hope to do for 2022, but. We're not talking about 22 right now. Nope. But we'll also talk about 22, 2022 turkey season just a little bit. A wee bit. Just a wee bit. So, one of the big things that we're going to do for next year is we're going to get our mass firearms ID. So, that's kind of a big key to hunting mass if you want to use a rifle or a shotgun. For whatever season you're looking to do. So while I'm down here and you're up there, we're planning on taking the course, the firearms ID course, to be eligible to get the firearms ID down in mass. So taking the course in mass, you have to do it, I think, in person no matter what. It's $125 from what I've looked at. Ranges from $150 to $100. And then you have to do an application with that. If you're an in-stater or out-of-stater, but if you're an uh, out-of-stater, you have to do it annually. I think the in-stater is five years, every five years, but that's a $100 huh. fee. And if you're turkey hunting, you have to have uh, the green sticker on your gun. So that's one thing we're going to be looking into for the coming turkey season, hopefully uh, broadening your horizon a little bit, not just hunting in Maine <laughs> or fishing in general because you've been Born and stuck raised, up there. man. Born I, and raised. Right? I was born and raised, but then I moved, so. <laughs> that that phrase myth. is
0: obsolete. Don't worry. I'll, I'll mend the rivers. I got you.
1: Yeah. I'll I'll guide you, and then I'll be like, all right, cast here, bitch ass, and then you'll fucking fuck you it up. You mean you will? <laughs> you have. <laughs> I will in mass. Oh, in mass? Oh, yeah, that's, come on. No. You did all the homework. All right. But. That is my spiel for this episode. I mean, I, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope I didn't stumble over my words as much as no, I probably had. But You just, I mean, there was a lot to talk about. And, I mean, New York,
0: it's definitely, uh, I mean, phew, I'm jealous. I mean,
1: I'm, I'm jealous. It I was, wish I could go. I can't wait because next year I'll be able to hunt it during rut. I only showed up late, late season. I was able to get it done. I just can't imagine what I could do if I have all my tags for all the seasons. But I'll be hunting there, you know, hopefully again. Hopefully we have some news to report back on that. If you're hunting in uh, New York, take into consideration if you're hunting a Sunday night. Because that's what happened with me where, you know, I uh, was gracious enough to have someone be able to process a deer on a Sunday night. while I had to go back to work on Monday. I didn't have my laptop to work remotely. You need to think about every every scenario because oh yeah, just like I've done this plenty of times. I'll just hunt the afternoon, whatever, or I'll hunt before work, whatever. But what happens if you actually are successful? You're not actually ready for it, and no. you're gonna get uh, caught with your pants down and not be able to handle it or whatever. So just something to keep in mind. But Enough with that. On the Tomorrow's next episode, hunt? let's on the, get it. On the next episode, we're going to be talking about our uh, 2021 year end recap. Our first year as a Grip and Grin team. Yep. I think a year ago to date, we decided to do this shit. And uh, pretty exciting. It's been a year, a lot it's to been talk crazy. about for that whole year. I
0: just, you texted me the other day. You're like, let's make 2022 even better. And I'm like, we said that to ourselves two years ago. We're like, how are we going to top this year? And then 2021 was, damn, dude. It yeah. was a
1: great year. Great, great year. Great you year. always want to strive to make every year better than the last because you don't look back always at being, oh, remember 2020? Like, that was awesome. No, right. you. You need to always strive to do something crazier, do something more exciting. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can do that for you guys again, reach out to us with any, you know, topic points, questions, anything really interact with us. We're more than game for that. I mean, you can even reach out to go fishing. I'd be down. So (laughs) yeah, hell yeah, for sure. Dude, that'd be sick. Um,
0: Maybe have a little fire, cook up some venison. Why Hmm. not? But
1: as as always, always, folks,
0: thank you very much for listening in and get in the woods. And get on the water.